1 Samuel 24. When Saul had returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were staying in the inmost part of the cave. David's men said to him, Behold, the day of which Yahweh said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe secretly. Afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. He said to his men, Yahweh forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, Yahweh's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, since he is Yahweh's anointed. So David checked his men with these words and didn't allow them to rise against Saul. Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My lord the king. When Saul looked around behind him, David bowed with his faith to the earth and showed respect. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to men's words, saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you? Behold, today your eyes have seen how Yahweh had delivered you today into my hand in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is Yahweh's anointed. Moreover, my father, behold, yes, see the skirt of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of your robe and didn't kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor disobedience in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May Yahweh judge between me and you, and may Yahweh avenge me of you, but my hand will not be on you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand will not be on you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue, a dead dog, a flea? May Yahweh therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see and plead my cause and deliver me out of your hand. It came to pass when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is that your voice, my son David? Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have done good to me where I have done evil to you. You have declared today how you have dealt well with me, because when Yahweh had delivered me into your hand, you didn't kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away unharmed? Therefore may Yahweh reward you good for that which you have done to me today. Now behold, I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Swear now therefore to me by Yahweh that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of the father's house. David swore to Saul. Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. So David is in En Gedi. Now En Gedi is the coolest place. <laughs> I wish I could share with you some videos and pictures right now, but it's, it's uh, a place in Israel where a million tourists go every year. So this is really popular. I mean, not during COVID, obviously. No one's going anywhere. But in normal times, it's very, very popular. There are videos. The Israeli Tourist Authority has made some pretty cool videos on YouTube you can watch. And um, I guess if I was to 
describe it to a Queenslander, I'd say it's, it's the Carnarvon Gorge of Israel. <laughs> Everyone around here loves to go to Carnarvon because it's so beautiful and so nice and crystal clear streams th through the cliffs and it's something like that. It's a real oasis in the middle of the desert and in there is a whole ecosystem and there's goats living in there. Um, in that chapter it said that, that they that Saul went to the rock of the goats or the rock of the wild goats. Well, those goats are not goats, they're ibex. And that's them there, the ibex. And um, the ibex, are, uh, they're kind of like a type of deer and uh, they live just in this little area. And um, people who've been there to En Gedi, they've said, because you know there's so many tourists, they said you want to go very early in the morning before everyone else and when you walk very quietly into the gorges you'll see the ibex there with their little young and and um, little baby goats and it's all very very cool and uh, as soon as COVID's free and as soon as the Lord opens the door I'd love to go to Israel. It's very hard to, to travel with family so I'd love to go and take my children to you know walk the Via Della Rosa the street to Jerusalem and show them where the Lord was and show them En Gedi. Lord willing one day we'll get to do that. And, uh, but anyway, David goes to En Gedi. And um, apparently at some point in David's life, he had been given a personal prophecy. Now for many, many Christians, especially if you've been through the charismatic movement and the, and the prophetic movement after that, many of you will have received at some point in your life a personal prophecy, or you'll have received a word from the Lord that's come from someone. And um, sometimes these words are just the opinions of people, but sometimes they're really the Lord. And sometimes they're a mixture. Um, so you need to really write them out. And if you get multiple ones, you keep them all and you, you compare. And sometimes it's really apparent that the Lord's really saying something because it's come from multiple people in multiple places and you have the witness. And so David has a personal prophecy like this. And he has a prophecy that the Lord would deliver his enemy into his hands and that he could do with him whatever he thought was good. So this is it. This is this moment. Saul, David and all his men are hiding in the caves near En Gedi and there apparently were, these cave systems were, were large and you could fit a lot of people in here. And so David's in there with 600 men. Saul goes in to go to the toilet and David manages to, to sneak up behind him and, and one of the men says, this is that moment. This is your personal prophecy. <laughs> you know, and, and David could have killed him right then. But what did the prophecy say? The prophecy said, I will give your enemy into your hands and you can do with him whatever you think is good. Now, what did David think was good? David thought it was good to not touch the Lord's anointed. He thought that that was the right thing to do. The prophecy wasn't saying that God said it would be good if you kill your enemy. That actually wasn't what the prophecy said, but that's clearly what all the men thought because they were saying, here's your chance. <laughs> And in the ancient times, you would have taken that chance. That was the normal way of thinking, even though it seems so foreign to us today. David does not take the chance because in his mind, he, he, he clearly thought this all through. He thought, Saul is someone that the Lord has called to be the king. Saul is someone who's in this position because God put him there. And he decided if God has put him there, I am not taking him out of that place. If the Lord puts him there, the Lord is the one who's going to take him out of that place, not me. And so we that's really, really clever thinking. 
And we need to think like that ourselves too. That when the Lord puts people in a position, we need to honour what the Lord does and not decide we don't like what the Lord does and just to speak against it. And um, so um, it's, it's, you know, it's a lesson to us on how to behave, but it's also a lesson about personal prophecies because sometimes we have personal prophecies and our temptation is to make them happen rather than trusting the Lord and letting the Lord bring them to pass. If the Lord says he's going to bring along a great opportunity in your life, is it your job to make the opportunity or is it the Lord's job to bring it along? So these are where you take your personal prophecies to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm going to place my trust in you. I'm going to believe you. Now, Lord, fulfill your word. And I'm sure that's what David did. We don't have a psalm on this particular one. A lot of other events, David has wrote psalms. Now, he probably wrote songs about this too, but they just weren't included in the Bible. But I'm sure... David would have been saying in his prayers, Lord, you said you would raise me up to the throne. Lord, fulfill your word to me. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a wonderful example for us on how to behave. Now, Saul was the Lord's anointed in the, you know, in the sense of this chapter. But in the Bible, there's one person that's called the anointed one there's a very specific person called the anointed one and it's the messiah jesus christ he's the king and so if it's important never to raise our hand against the lord's anointed you know against the lord's workers his servants the people he puts in place it's doubly true of the lord we must be very careful never to speak against the lord and um, to be always full of huge respect for God, not to joke about him, not to laugh, not to treat him you know, lightheartedly. But the Lord is the Lord and Jesus is the anointed one. He deserves our highest respect. Father in heaven, you want to do things for us too, just as you did for David. And I pray that you would fulfill your word to us. The things that you've said to me, Lord, fulfill them. The things that you've said to my listeners, fulfill them. Lord, I ask that you would go ahead of, of us, Lord, and cause the words you've spoken to come to pass. And Lord, let us be a people of great trust and faith in you, like David, who don't take matters into our own hands to make the word of God come true. But Lord, our trust is always placed in you. Let this grace be ours, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.